My guest today is Linda Salent at The Carnitarian, and I had so much fun chatting to Linda. I reached out to her because she's just one of my favorite humans in the carnivore sphere, and she's got such an interesting and cool perspective. And she's a carnivore veteran, so for those that are new to uh, meat-based diets, this is for you. We get into a lot. Um, and Linda, I really appreciate your time. So please enjoy this episode. Thank you so much. Linda, it's so good to have you on the show. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be talking with you. Thank you. Um, so I always like to start with uh, what I like to call the Starbucks pitch. <laughs> so if I met you at Starbucks, I'm not too sure if you you won for Starbucks or where you get your coffee. <laughs> or in I this do place, love I think... a Starbucks, like a nitro cold brew. Ooh. Or like, I was going to say, what's your Buffalo Wild Wings pitch? Because I see you do you do enjoy that. So, <laughs> so let's let's go for the Buffalo Wild Wings pitch. Um, right. And I and I met you there. And uh, how and I asked, what do you do, Linda? How would you how would you go about answering that question? If you're asked me, what do I do? Yeah, in general, or is it in work-wise, whatever? I mean, you can answer that however you like. Okay. Well, I mean, since we're we're talking carnivore, I mean, if you were to ask me about that, like, you know, what's your what's your jam? You know, how do you sort of like to eat and stuff like that? Um, I mean, I would tell you, like, basically, I'm zero carb carnivore. Um, how I started out learning about it was, you know, you should just basically eat meat and water. Um, I I never went strict like that beef and water at the beginning. I just sort of ate all the animal foods. And so if you were to say, you know, like, why do you do that? You know, I'd be, I'd say, well, you know, obviously I feel the best this way. And so I've kept up with it. It's been six years like this now for me, uh, carnivore. And, um, you know, I plan on sticking to it. What I wouldn't do, like if somebody were to ask me, like, you know, what should I do with my diet? I wouldn't just say you should do what I do, you know? Mm. So basically, I mean, the way I the way I talk to people about what I eat, um, and sort of my philosophy on all of that is that you have to first look at where you're coming from, and you have to be able to answer that question for yourself. Because if I were to tell you what I do, that's not necessarily going to be what you need to do, be based on where you're coming from. So if you're somebody who's very active, very fit, has never had a weight issue, has never had any autoimmune conditions. I wouldn't say to you, you need to go, you know, strict carnivore, that's the way to go. But if you were coming to me or asking me about diet with a host, a whole, you know, slew of um, conditions and obesity and uh, autoimmune issues or uh, skin issues or things like that, I would say to you, you know, maybe carnivore is going to be great for you. So, um, you know, I like to sort of meet people where they're at and I don't necessarily believe that everybody should be strict carnivore. Um, I do believe everybody should eat meat. I think that's, you know, the proper human food. Um, but I wouldn't get mad at anybody for eating vegetables kind of a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um, and speaking of, I just think you've got a great, the reason I wanted to reach out to you, I just love your online demeanor and your, your like serious but carefree attitude with with going forward with it it's just a, it's just a very refreshing uh personality in the space you know in a space crowded with 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 divides within the community even and things like that i just love i love the way you you operate and um so you mentioned like 
sort of advising people do you like i know you with meets rx i think i did a research and you are a coach do you actually coach people i do coach people um i have i have done in the past coaching with meet rx um i've don't, I'm not spending a lot of time there recently um but i do help people uh coaching them and sort of helping them you know figure out how they can better maintain a carnivore lifestyle uh keep their carnivore diet going help them with you know issues of uh, cravings, issues of, you know, feelings of that maybe they're overeating or, you know, we discuss undereating. Mm. So I do, I do love to help people. Um, one thing I end up speaking about, which goes back to sort of what you're saying about my attitude, I end up speaking to people a lot about stress and about uh, keeping their mellow, you know, because people will sometimes come to me and say, I'm doing all the things, I'm doing all the things and why isn't this working? You know, why am I gaining weight? And when we get into it, it orders, it all sorts to come out that they are really very stressed out about their diet and maybe rightfully so, because maybe they're coming from a place of, you know, real anxiety or real pain, you know, from whatever condition they're, they're having. Um, and I try to help people sort of be comfortable with carnivore um, be comfortable with eating meat, be comfortable with eating fat and sort of uh, sit in that pocket of eating enough calories to help them, you know, maintain um, great body fat percentage. Like you don't want to have too low body fat percentage. Um, and, and I, I, well, I, so yes, I do. <laughs> I do try to help people understand that, um, you know, carnivore way of living is, is going to be great for them, but stress is such a huge part of that and helping people figure out ways to relax in carnivore. Because like you said, there is this tension in the space. There's all these divides and there's all these points of contention. Like, should I add carbs? Is honey carnivore? Should I eat liver? Do I need to eat bone marrow? Like, do I have to have grass fed? There's so many points of division that people tend to throw up their hands, they get very stressed out about it, and they say, I can't possibly do this. Mm. You know, or they just glom on to somebody who's doing something or you know, using a specific method, and that method's not necessarily right for them, their body type, their dieting history, and stuff like that. So we try and I try and sort that out with people. Okay. Yeah, thank you. I think it's it's very easy to get overwhelmed. As simple as it sounds, just eat meat. It's pretty can get pretty overwhelming, I think. And, and a lot of people I think come from a, already, I mean, I've seen it myself and just people in the community, you're coming from a place of, of stress and overeating in the first place. So it's so important to also deal with underlying, you know, issues and, and stressful events in your life as well, in conjunction with this amazing way of eating that just gives you so much and yeah, you kind of want to hit it from all points, you know, mm. and I, and people are just, sometimes they're thinking that the diet's going to fix everything, but you've got to look at your sleep. You've got to look at your stress. You know, um, those are just really important things too in life. Right. Mm. So what's on the notes of stress? Is there like things that you do outside of carnival that helps with stress? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Like I dance to relieve stress. I mean, that's sort of like the ballroom dance studio is my therapist's office. I will not sit on a couch and discuss my woes, but I will absolutely dance them out. And so that's what I do to relieve stress. 
a lot of people go for a walk, you know, um, a lot of people just have a pet and, you know, play with your dog or, um, you know, read. I love that. I mean, people can sit in front of the television, but lately that's not very relaxing. Um, but, you know, different people have different things. Some people love to just lift really heavy and that relieves their stress. And if they miss a day at the gym, they're just not feeling right because they're mm. not working out that, that stress that's in them every day. Um, you know, so it's, there's different techniques for people. Um, but dancing is what I do. That's what I love. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so I want to rewind a little bit, uh, your journey. So how did you actually, I'm always intrigued, like how on earth did you actually find out about carnival? <laughs> so, <laughs> So my story goes way back to college where like I was studying nutrition. I had a, one class I was oh, in gosh. and I learned about, it goes way back, <laughs> but um, you know, I learned about like a ketogenic diet after college, I started doing Atkins and this was like way long ago. This was in the late nineties. Um, I started doing Atkins and the induction phase is ketogenic. And so I loved it. And every time I did Atkins, I never left the ketogenic phase. And so, um, I, and I felt great doing Atkins, things like my knee pain went away and I just felt so much better. This was in my twenties, right? So it's very strange to have this like arthritis knee pain in your twenties. But, um, when I would switch to keto diet, um, I felt better. So let's fast forward for many years. I had two kids and after I had my son, he's eight now, uh, I said, let me go back to Atkins. I'm going to do keto again because I had, you know, the last couple of pounds to lose. So I started like researching keto. I started eating all the keto treats, right? Like making all the mug cakes and the fat bombs. Fat bombs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like keto culinary, like alchemy in my kitchen. And I, uh, you know, it's, was like signing into Facebook groups, keto Facebook groups and stuff like that. And I found this like zero carb group. I think it's yeah, zeroing and on health basically. This is the big one on Facebook. Um, I found that group. I somehow found the stories of Kelly Hogan and Joe and Charlene Anderson. It led me to that group and I just dug in. And I was so motivated by Kelly and Charlene because they looked amazing. I was like, well, I, you know, I'm pretty much eating just meat. I'm eating meat and vegetables and a lot of almond flour and a lot of sweeteners, right. To make those cakes. But I was like, this seems just so much easier. Maybe I'll just eat, I'll just eat meat and see what, see what happens after a, a month of this. And I thought it was going to be 30 days and then I would just be bored of it, but I felt really good. And I was like, I'm just going to keep on going. And so I've just kept on going. And it's like I said, it's been six years and it, it hasn't been perfect. I mean, it's not like every meal I've had um, has been strict carnivore, like, especially in those early, you know, in that early first year, I would go off on a tangent for a holiday and, you know, I'd always regret it, but I mm -hmm. didn't want to miss out on like holiday meals. So I would do Thanksgiving and I would feel terrible. And then I would do a traditional Italian Christmas and then I would feel terrible. And I'm, you know, after a couple of years of that, I just said, forget it. This is not worth it. I'm just going to stick with carnivore, like throughout the year. And, um, so I've, so I've been doing it. So basically that's how I found it. Um, and those Facebook groups, uh, you know, in those early years, I guess I started, it was 20, 2015, um, in 
in those years, there were a couple of Facebook groups that were just so helpful. There was so much good research being presented in those groups and, you know, links to articles you could go read and books that you could go read. And I learned so much in those years from all those people. So I'm, I'm really grateful, you know, to all that. And then now with Instagram, it seems like there's just so many people um, interested in a zero carb or a carnivore diet or just a meat-based diet that uh, it's incredible. I, I have felt like such a freak for, I had felt like such a freak for so many years, but now it's, you know, my, I have this big circle of people doing this with me. <laughs> so it's kind of nice. Yeah, it certainly makes it, it makes it easier, you know? And I think a lot of people, when I see like steak and butter girl and Kelly and stuff, sharing stuff, I think, I think people really need each other now more than ever, ever to in the community. And um, yeah. Uh, and you mentioned like finding studies and things. Are you quite interested in reading the studies? You seem pretty knowledgeable. You seem like you, you know a lot about like glucose metabolism and things like that. Uh, I don't know if you can elaborate more on that side of well, I'm really no, I'm no expert. I mean, I am not a nutritionist and I'm certainly not, you know, a doctor or medical professional anyway. Um, I, I don't shy away from the science though. And so when somebody makes a claim and there is a reference cited, I will absolutely go and check it out, you know, and I'm well aware that, and I think everyone should be that studies are funded by people who have interest in the result of that study coming out a certain way. And I'm well aware that by reading just simply an abstract or a conclusion, you're not necessarily going to get all the information. Um, that abstract or that conclusion can be highly weighted towards, like I said, the sponsor of the study. So I am interested in, you know, the, the science of stuff. Um, and I, I do read a lot. <laughs> I do research a lot. And I research a lot about, like, you know, metabolism, eating meat, um, the benefits of it, the sustainability of it. I'm sort of like a, I'd say a jack of all of the areas, jack of all trades for the, you know, carnivore things, the things that are important to the people who are interested in this way of eating. So I like to know a little bit about everything. I like to be able to speak intelligently about, you know, any topic. And when I don't know the answer, I have to go find it. It's like, <laughs> it comes over me. I have to go find out, you know, why somebody is saying this, where did they get that point of view from? And what is the actual truth about that point of view? And so that comes up quite a bit in what I um, put out there on Instagram. Yeah. Thank you. That's um, it's, it's easy to yeah, follow something blindly without actually knowing the intricacies of it and you seem to to have a healthy balance between following it very strictly it seems and knowing Thank a you. lot about it so that's awesome yeah. i mean i think that it's very important for people to know like i said to just that they can stay mellow that they can relax in that carnivore way of eating that it's not necessarily like a, a try hard thing every day. Mm. I mean, I'm really just living my life. I present a lot of stuff out there, you know, on social media, but I'm really just living my life. And I happen to post some pictures of what I'm eating or throw out some information, but you know, like I've got a daily life going on. I can't be thinking about food all the time. Right. And I'm certainly not thinking about food all the time. Um, but being a carnivore really helps you, live your life hmm. the way you want to live it. You don't want to live your life like a stressed out, a food obsessed, 
orthorexic person who just is so intent every day and thinking about what they're eating. And mm. you don't want to go around proselytizing to everybody. You know, like we make fun of vegans that are just like, how do you know a vegan is a vegan? It's like, they're going to tell you in the first two minutes, you know, and I just, I don't do that. Like I won't mm. just come out at people and, and say, you know, I'm carnivore. You have to be, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I do try to just sort of stay mellow about it and get, get to, I stay in this pocket of just being comfortable with that's how I eat and I'm able to live my life. Mm. And you recently, I see you've got uh, something on your arm. I don't know if you can explain I to do. The what that is. And so <laughs> this is a continuous glucose monitor. Shout out to the NutriSense people. Uh, NutriSense is the company that provided me with this. Um, it's a continuous glucose monitor. I find it fascinating. This is my third time using a continuous glucose monitor. Basically what it does is it uh, is the equivalent of like a, a, a blood finger prick um, that would test your blood glucose levels. Like you could do that several times throughout the day, but the continuous glucose monitor syncs up with an app on your phone and it monitors your blood glucose um, every five minutes throughout the day. So you really get wow. the big picture of how everything you're eating is affecting your blood glucose or every moment of stress is affecting or you know, how your sleep affects your next day's overall blood, blood glucose levels and things like that. I find it so helpful and it's one of the things that I recommend people do at least for two weeks. Hmm is to get a continuous blood glucose monitor because I was just saying this the other day, I mean, it doesn't lie and you can lie to yourself and we make all sorts of excuses for ourselves about why we just can't live without pasta or we, you know, it's just a little bit of apple juice. It's no big deal or carrot cake. Like I always make fun of carrot cake because it's like a vegetable. People are like, oh, it's vegetable. Like, no, it's not. Like it's going to raise your blood glucose. And so when people are confused about well, why, you know, why am I having trouble losing weight? Well, we have to look at, you know, well, maybe it's because your blood glucose is getting shot up all day long and your insulin is coming out to adjust for that all day long. And that chronically high insulin is keeping you from releasing your fat stores. I mean, I'm skipping some steps, but basically that's what's happening is, is you're constantly dosing with insulin throughout the day. And you're not going to lose weight that way. You know, you're not going to reach your health goals that way. And a continuous glucose monitor is really, really helpful to see the sort of patterns um, that people fall into during the day of like, just maybe their little snacks all throughout the day. I mean, I don't believe in eating seven meals a day or, you know, with, you know, three meals and a couple of snacks thrown in. I just don't believe in it. And so, um, yeah, so how many, how many meals do you normally eat today then on average for you? I, it's funny. I eat two meals and I don't not snack between, but I keep my eating window pretty short. So I have like a, between a six and seven hour eating window. Typically I'll start uh, at like 1 PM and then I'm done eating at like 8 PM. I'm just an afternoon evening type eater. So mm. like this morning, I haven't had anything uh, yet. Uh, and, and I think that that's a great technique for people to use to keep their insulin levels low and keep their blood sugar low uh, is to do intermittent fasting that way. I, mm. I think that it's just very helpful. Um, and if you're comfortable eating in the morning, you know, versus the evening, I don't see any issue with that. Some people do not like to eat before bed and that's, you know, fine by me. Everybody's got their own thing. And if you do three meals, you do three meals. It's not like like I said, I'm mellow about it. You have to do what works for you. 
but um this is this is what works for me mm, definitely what's interesting is i remember i i think i messaged you about that because you posted it but how even in the absence of glucose you know your 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 blood sugar just rises to the occasion when you in a in a ketogenic state i guess and oh. it's so interesting it is it's extremely interesting you know it's, it's fascinating. Like when you get into, like, if, if I start a heavy, intense ballroom dance session, or if you wanted to sprint down the street, I mean, your blood glucose is going to go up. Your muscles are going to want some glucose. Your liver is going to make that happen for you. A gluconeogenesis is like a real thing. Uh, it's demand driven and we're absolutely able to create glucose from the, you know, the compounds that are in our body, we break down those triglycerides and we use them and the, the backbone and the glycerol and all this, but um, yeah, it's a thing. So you would be amazed at how your blood glucose can rise with things like stress from exercise or just, you know, lifetime stress, life, life stress, this type mm -hmm. of stuff. But yeah, it's there. We don't need carbs for performance. I think a lot of people who, you know, work out really hard, uh, every day they can benefit from some carbohydrates, you know, in like a pre-workout, but this is, you know, the 1% of the population. Mm. These are like the elite bodybuilding athletes. Unfortunately, what we see on Instagram is a lot of those people, right? So you see those people that are working out daily, they're pushing it hard. They're, you know, optimizing and they're like, yeah, I feel so much better with carbs. And it's like, well, yeah, you know, okay, that makes sense. But not everybody is going balls to the wall every day like you are. And so to give that advice to a general population, you know, of Americans that are very unwell, I think is terrible advice to say we mm. need carbohydrates for health because we just don't, we don't need carbohydrates. We need essential fatty acids and we need um, essential amino acids. So fat and protein, but we certainly don't need carbohydrates. Mm. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And it's, it's so easy to, I remember reading a quote, it's um, something about not fooling yourself and you're the easiest person to fool. I think it's by Richard Feynman. And how, how does it go? Uh, say that again. It's something about, okay. Uh, you must not fool yourself and you are the easiest person to fool. Something like that. <laughs> um, right. I and, mean, and that's, you know, the, the carb situation for most people that is that are like sick and obese or whatever it's it can end up just especially the food addiction side of things you know i'm very careful because that's that's pretty much where i've come from is like more of a food addiction side of things and it's so easy to just fool yourself into just thinking that oh okay yeah let's just have a bit of dark chocolate like every night let's have a let's have this let's have that and next thing you know it's like, you can't live right. without it, you know? Right. It's really hard. And, you know, sugar is such a powerful drug. It is such a powerful drug. I mean, I'm sure you've heard of, you know, the rodent studies where they're addicted to cocaine, they're addicted to sugar. You take them both away and you give them both back. They're going to go for that sugar first mm. um, because that's, that is just more powerful of a feeling. And food addiction is absolutely real. And sugar is absolutely a drug. Um you know, mm. that's how I feel. And uh, yeah, so yeah, I mean, that's great that you've 
you seem to have overcome this. How are you doing? How's it going? <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's been good. My, my journey has been quite a wild ride, to be honest. I was, so I came six years ago, I went low carb, um, and I lost over 70, 80 pounds. And that's like propelled me on the self-improvement journey as one does, uh, you know, you see it all the time, people lose weight and then they share their stories and things. And then, um, I moved away from home and I sort of just, I'd sort of just let my health slip as people do as well. You know, it's just one of those things like let my health slip. Um, I got really sick in 2019 with a terrible gut gut issue. And it was just a big wake up call to me. I, I was this thing that I value the most in life, which was my health and doing CrossFits and things like that. And all of a sudden that was compromised. Mm. And I, you know, funny enough, I went to a nutritionist against my own, like against my <laughs> own better knowledge. And she told me that I had to eat six to eight cups of vegetables a day in the morning. She said, I mean, <laughs> Wow. And I initially, I went with it. I went with it because I was, she was, I was convinced that I didn't really know my stuff. And I had tried carnivore previously. I was actually, I tried carnivore back in 2017 for a bit and I felt great, but my health wasn't to the point where I needed it. You know, it was just like mm. nice to do. But then when I went to this nutritionist and I, and I did this, her diet for two weeks with a shitload of vegetables and my joints were so sore and I was feeling even worse. And then I just made a decision. I was like, you know what? This is not the way. And I, I know what I need not to do. I need to, I need to go the other way very very fast. <laughs> and and it's been very difficult, you know, because I built up this uh, reputation, uh, especially online and stuff, of just being able to go to gym and exercise and eat whatever and fasting. And in fact, I used fasting. That's what I tell people. I actually used fasting and intermittent fasting as a an excuse to get out of a lot of things so i would i don't know if that makes sense to you so like i would oh, go yeah. out on the weekend binge drink binge eat go to parties then in the week i was like okay we're back on it now we're we fasting 18 hours 19 oh. hours and just overtraining and things like that and it just caught up with me it just and, and, it, and it was a good it was a good lesson so i've actually been pretty strict carnivore for the past probably a year, year and a half now. Um, and I'm still figuring, figuring this stuff out. It's still tricky. Um, there's still a lot to learn and I, and I love CrossFit. So that's the one thing that like, I can't not exercise hard. So it's mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. only tricky part that, um, that I need to, to manage. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you may benefit from, you know, just like a little bit of pre-workout carbohydrate. I would stay away from anything that had fiber you know, if you're trying to heal your gut, I would stay away from anything, you know, like a vegetable carbohydrate, but, um, you know, there's, there's some simply easily digestible carbohydrates that you can take, you know, before CrossFit, which I'm sure you're doing and it's helping, mm. <clears throat> helping with your workouts. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I want to be quite respectful of your time, but, um, maybe a few more questions. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, I loved your post recently. You you said, uh, ask and you shall receive. I don't know if you can speak to that. Oh, I found that so yeah. In my story, um, I was very surprised. You know, 
like I said, I don't go around telling everybody that I'm carnivore, but I was very surprised. I went to a banquet and the organizer had emailed everybody and said, you know, if you've got any dietary preferences, please do let us know in advance. And she listed out a few and it's, you know, the, the ones they're always listed. It's like, are you vegan? Are you vegetarian? Are you gluten-free? Like they'll make all sorts of accommodations for these you know, acceptable dietary preferences, but carnivore is just never listed. So I said to the woman, well, listen, if I can get a, you know, a carnivore plate, that would be awesome. But if not, then I'll take a gluten-free plate. So I know that there's no weird sauces or anything on stuff. Mm. Um, and then I'll just leave the vegetables on the side. I'm not going to make a big deal about it or demand, you know, equity in the pref in the dietary preferences. Right. And I was really surprised when I, uh, uh, one of the wait staff came up to me and said, Hey, are you carnivore? And I was like, I'm sorry, what did you say? It just, it didn't even sound like he was speaking English because nobody's ever like just come up to me and asked me that. And I was really taken aback and I wanted to make sure I heard him right. And he's like, are you the carnivore? Do you just eat meat? And I was like, oh wait, I, I think I know what's going on here. I think my request actually went through. I, yes, that's me. And he said, well, we've got a plate for you. We're just, you know, we can set that up for you. We can do that for you. And I said, thank you so much. And there they did. They brought me out, you know, some, it was grilled chicken breast. I mean, it wasn't a ribeye, but you just never know if you don't ask, um, you, you know, you just don't, you don't know that that could be an option if you don't ask. And so, yeah, I think it's important for people to sort of um, stick with what they feel best eating. And if you are in a spot where you think it might be possible to get a carnivore meal, um, because they do serve meat, just ask. It's not embarrassing. It's not going to put anyone out. If they say, I'm sorry, we can't accommodate that. You just say, that's okay. I understand. I, I completely understand. And then just roll with it. Um, you know, that's what I do, but I was so pleasantly surprised. Mm. It's great. Yeah. I think the reason I asked is because there's just so many people that don't, don't realize that wherever you go, no matter where you're traveling in the world, there is a strong possibility where you can get a carnivore meal. You know, you just need to ask the right questions and not be afraid. Mm -hmm. And chances are you can get a burger patty. You can get a steak without sauce. You can get this or that. You just need to ask. And <laughs> Absolutely. And this is, this is like another example of how people sort of find excuses to not mm. stick with their diet. You know, they'll say things like, well, I can't just eat meat. I'm going to be out at this event or, well, it's my anniversary. You know, I, I can't just eat meat or, you know, that they have mm. an occasion or something, but yeah, you kind of can, like, it's not an excuse. Like you, you don't get that one. Like, nope, not going to give it to you. There's meat there. You can just eat the meat. And you're going to be just fine. Mm. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, it's usually available, like you said. And I mean, I'm, I am uh, pretty picky about that. I don't eat seed oils. And so I, I, I won't touch stuff that doesn't have seed oils. If I'm cooking it, forget about it. But if I'm out at an event, then I say, okay, I'm not going to be that picky. I'm not going to say, you know, make my meat without the vegetable oil that you're using. I'm going to be grateful that they are cooking me meat and I'm going to eat it and mm. I will be fine. Um, but I will tend to avoid restaurants where I know that they're cooking in seed oils and I don't use them at home. And so if I'm 99%, you know, doing it great, I feel really great about that. Mm. Um, you know, and people don't, you don't have to just, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to say, well, I can't go to this restaurant because it's not grass fed. 
you know, I can't eat that meat because that's from a conventional uh, ranch, you know, like that. It's just crazy town the way people nitpick. Like you said, you can get a hamburger patty mm. pretty much on any road trip. You you're going to find like a fast food place, um, and a lot of them don't cook with any nasty seed oils. And you can get a really great carnivore meal on any road trip or in, in any place. I mean, I know we we are in you know two different countries, but but I imagine you've got great fast food patties, and they're 100% beef. Exactly, and. You know, like you said, you can get so deep into this rabbit hole and say, oh, only grass-fed or the organs and things like that. And But at the end of the day, it's still better. You know, a grain-fed piece of decent ribeye is still going to be so much better for your health than a piece of bread or potato right. chips or things like that. Like that's, that's right. at the end of the day what we are aiming for. Right. Yeah. And I honestly feel like the conversation is so pointless because that grain-fed ribeye is, let's just say, I mean, all I'm going to say, my opinion is that grain-fed ribeye is identically good for your health as mm. the grass-finished ribeye. Um, and so I just don't believe there is any substantive benefit, substantial benefit to uh, switching to what's going to strip your wallet of money uh, to do this, you know, grass finish all the time is really expensive. Mm. Um, and people just can't all afford that. Um, and to have the conversation makes the grain finished seem as though it's less than, and it's not. And so I'm very frustrated by the very conversation um, because they are identical to your health outcomes. And there are people that will scream at me for saying that, but they're identical. And last one, I'm always intrigued. Like I have, I've spoken to many people, many experts in the subject as well, like electrolytes, like do you, how much do you like, cause this is just something that I can't wrap my head around. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, electrolyte balancing is like, you know, one of those topics that people love to get into and they love to sound authoritarian, authoritative about, I think it's, it really highly varies person by person. Some people love to use salt on their meats mm. and some people don't. Um, but when I'm speaking with people, typically I say, well, you have to sort of experiment around. Generally people are low on potassium because mm. generally people will salt their meat. And so then uh, they don't get enough potassium and there's a little bit of potassium in beef, but I think um, when, especially when you're switching from a standard American diet to a carnivore diet, or if you're losing weight, generally you're going to lose some electrolytes with the, the, the water weight that you're losing and the fat loss that you're losing, you're going to lose some potassium and you're going to lose some sodium. And we will make up for that by salting our meat with sodium chloride, but we're not making up for the potassium losses. So you will sort of feel those symptoms as fatigue and headache typically. And so I say, well, try a little potassium. Um, I use something called Morton's salt substitute. It's just potassium chloride and you can find it in the supermarket right next to the salt. And take a quarter teaspoon of that and throw it in a little bit of water and drink that. And you'll probably feel better in about 10 minutes. Like it's, it, it's amazing what a little bit of potassium can do to help. Um, and then magnesium, I like to tell people like we're all sort of low on magnesium because our soil is depleted. We're just not getting it. It's, there's not any uh, high levels in the meat. So um, 
it's helpful to do a little bit of magnesium supplementation mm. too. So those are the electrolytes that I recommend. I don't take them on a regular basis, but if I'm feeling a little headachey, I make sure, oh, well, I haven't had potassium in a while. Let me just get a little in and I'll throw some on some food or I'll drink some down. And the same with magnesium, I'm feeling a little bit of leg cramps or I'm feeling kind of tired or like I'm retaining some water, pota- uh, sorry, magnesium will sort of, sort that out for me pretty quickly. And then if I'm fasting, then I will use electrolytes um, in my water of doing an extended fast. So sodium, potassium, and magnesium goes into that water during those days. Okay. Well, I really appreciate your time, Linda. It's been so much fun chatting to you. This has gone very quickly. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Um, And I hope you have a lovely day. Thank you. You too. It's been really great talking to you. (laughs) 